Welcome to Doing CX Right, a podcast where we discuss how to differentiate brands by doing customer experience right. I'm your host, Stacey Sherman, an author, award-winning keynote speaker, and mentor passionate to help you humanize business and improve experiences to achieve real results. Today's episode is inspired by what I saw in the news today, and that is Nike is closing its offices for a week-long mental health break. That is tremendous for employees, especially as people have been suffering anxiety and fears more than ever before. We need to talk about mental health and have uncomfortable conversations to support our colleagues, boss, friends, family, and customers. My guest today, Darren Prince, is a best-selling author of Aiming High, which has multiple meanings as he's achieved much fame, monetary success, and deep lows from drug addiction. He shares openly about his near-death experience to help people get rid of imposter syndrome and to live authentically. He provides actionable tips to achieve happiness personally and professionally. And I ask you, please share this episode with people you know, as it may not only help businesses thrive, but more importantly, the messages and tips can save lives. Let's get on with the show. Welcome, Darren Prince, to the Doing CX Right Show. How are you today? I'm feeling great. Thank you for having me. Well, I know who you are since high school days and then some, but tell my audience, who are you? What do you do professionally? So professionally, I'm the CEO of the Prince Marketing Group. We're a global sports and entertainment representation and marketing agency with clients uh, from Magic Johnson, Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, Dennis Rodman, Charlie Sheen, Denise Richards, Carmen Electra. We have so many iconic figures, Vince Neal, Jerry West, Larry Bird. We've worked with uh, the late Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier, Evil Knievel, Burt Reynolds. Been very, very fortunate to work with some of uh, you know the most iconic figures in the world for marketing deals consisting of endorsements, licensing, commercials, books, speaking engagements, and other corporate events. So you have been an entrepreneur since I feel like you've been born. I've known you when we were young. And tell the audience where you started and customer experience then wasn't even a term, but yet you were doing it. What does that mean to you? So I started uh, my baseball card mail order business in my teens. And uh, back then there was no internet. Everything was worked off the telephone and a fax machine. And my father, my late father, was, was such a mentor, not, not only personally, but professionally. You know, he's always taught me about customer service and, you know, just making sure it's about relationship building. And it wasn't just about the business. He told me either it's about, you know, getting to them personally, you know, find out about their families, their hobbies, their special interests, uh, you know, be, become friends with them. Because, because when you make the customer experience more enjoyable and there's competition in the other companies that might have the same cards or the same merchandise that you might have, they're going to go to Darren Prince. And, you know, I grew up with that mindset. Yes. So now that you are no longer that young guy with the, the baseball cards, but now that you have a big agency and working with the best, what does customer experience mean in this day and age for you? 
So when I started Prince Marketing Group 20, over, over 25 years ago, Magic Johnson was my first client, and he always taught me about over-delivering. That if you over-deliver, you will get the retention that you're looking for and the residual income, uh, the passive income, and just continue with that relationship building. If the contract says 10, you give them 15. If the contract says, you know, two hours, make sure you give them a little bit more time. And that was so important to, to have him as my mentor. And he still is with these little nuggets, I call them, that um, I, I did it with every single client. I did it with brands that we represent, that we hire celebrities for. There's brands now that we consult with. I just think customer service and personal relationship in any sort of business, no matter what industry it is, it, it, it's key. Because... Really, in today's world, not many people over-deliver. They do what they're supposed to do, and, you know, you think you're building a business, but to me, that's just a, that's a transactional business. You know, we want to create a legacy with Prince Marketing Group, or, you know, when I'm long on, the clients, God forbid, are no longer here, we're always finding, you know, different ways to create, reinvent, uh, retain new customers, and so much of it comes word of mouth at that point. If you're an over-deliverer, if, if, if you go over and above what you're supposed to do, the business will just start coming to you rather than you having to find it. Let's go into your book, Aiming High. There is a lot to learn from that book, from two cents. One is aiming high for revenue and growth and seeking the stars and that North Star, and you can get there wholeheartedly, you have. And then there's the other side of aiming high, and that is around mental health and employee experiences. And so let's take each side for a moment. Now, let's start with mental health because it's so relevant today where I just saw Nike is giving their employees a week off for mental health especially as a lot of offices are opening up in September. What's your view on what Nike is doing? I think it's great. I think all businesses and large corporations need to do it. It's, uh, it's essential, especially during the pandemic. You know, we were talking earlier. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're the highest level executive or somebody that, that works uh, uh, at a lower level position in that company and you're just starting out even as an intern. So mental health is everything because so many of us aren't willing to talk about it. You know, there's shame if it's us that's struggling as individuals. There's some shame and embarrassment and uncomfortability. If it's a family member that you have to go back home to and deal with when you're not at work. And I think if you have that ability to rejuvenate on a break like Nike's given the employees, take care of your your your, your mindset, as well as when you're back, you've got the right individuals to speak to, your company is just going to be firing on all cylinders because now everybody's you know feeling good about themselves mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. And, and you know, that's everything. There's so much fear of the unknown and uncertainty right now. And, um, you know, me personally, you know, my, my struggle for 24 years was I was an opiate addict. And uh, by the grace of God, I celebrated 13 years sober in July. 
and I speak all over the world about uh, addiction recovery, but so much of my speech now has been implementing mental health because, you know, when those pressures are put on you, people want an escape. They need something to get that break and to just step away from reality. And uh, if you've got the right CEO, boss, executives, or like I said, entry-level employees that uh, understand this, that we all have to work together as one, it, it's essential. It's everything. Do you see a movement happening where people are having the uncomfortable conversations more? Or do you think that we have a long way to go? It's kind of a, it's an interesting question. I see it in certain sectors that there's a lot more people open and willing to talk about it. But I also think in other arenas, other industries that they have a long way to go. But it's also why I advocate for so much of this because I need people to hear a story of the guy that everybody thought had it all. It was at the height of my, you know, industry and, uh, yeah, I was so broken inside and felt so undeserving and also needed that, that checkout. I, I needed it every night to the point where it almost killed me. And if, if I can just get my message out there, um, it's part of, you know, addiction is still a, a part of mental health because there's an underlining issue that caused me to need to numb out my feelings and not speak up. So that's kind of how I segue into it. It's really just about having the comfortability with your own skin to take an action and speak to somebody and say, hey, I don't feel right. You know, I thought I landed that big account and, you know, we lost it and I'm dejected. I want to go out and get hammered tonight and drunk or it's, it's just not the way to do it. And then the hindsight is that is, yeah, we just closed a multi-million dollar account. Let's all go out and party. And before you know it, you know, the party's having you. And one day turns into two days and three days and weekend warriors become everyday drinkers. And especially for the young hotshots in the entrepreneur world, the business world, in their you know, early to mid-20s, you, you, you have to understand there's a difference between going out and enjoying yourself and then making it, okay, let's go to work, let's crush it, and then go out and blow up steam because no one's going to beat it. It's going to get to a point where you know, it's going to become a priority. And if executives and CEOs don't start addressing it, that's going to affect your bottom line in business. It's going to affect your customer service. It's going to affect the overall brand and corporation. So let's start talking about it now. You know, no, nobody, nobody should feel isolated because they have these thoughts or depression or they're overwhelmed or they're overstressed or they're crippled with anxiety and you only know one way to blow up steam um, or to isolate. You don't even need to be abusing substances. What happens to those that just become so introverted and they just lock themselves into their apartment or their house uh, for a weekend because it's the only way they know to, to kind of get rejuvenated. No, no, you got to speak up. You have to have the comfortability to say, you know, something's wrong and I need help. And uh, again, all that does is, you know, especially in the professional world, helps everybody, helps the entire company, the whole corporation, small business uh, operate so much better. I think one of the challenges is that mental health is not something you see. So physical challenges, it's easy to get to show empathy. And it's 
easy to express it because it's in front of you. But mental health is the opposite. And as leaders, as, as I am in a big company, regardless of what size, leaders have the opportunity to get to know their people. And the smart ones will identify that there's a calling for help and treat them in the way that they need to be treated. Agree? A hundred percent. It doesn't matter if you could be CEO of a Fortune 500 company. You should get to know as many, if not all, of your employees, every single one of them, um, because that also makes it more comfortable for for somebody that's struggling. And if they're able to have that comfortability to come speak to you or, or, or anybody within that organization just helps the business. It, it, it helps the spirit of everybody else that's around because, you know, if you have somebody suffering with mental health, small or big business, whether it's five employees or 5,000, and it just kind of gets around the energy around that person or those individuals could be multiple uh, people. It starts affecting, it's almost like sends, um, it just sends a torpedo for the whole company. So why not talk about it? You know, and, you know, being a service anyway, when you're a leader and an executive and you're able to do good, feel good and help somebody else. To me, that's more important than money anyway. Mm. What's your goal from aiming high and, and what are some tips, tactics that you think are important for business leaders and managers and everyone at all levels to know? I was with uh, my girlfriend in Chicago, Nicolette, this past week, and we're watching um, one of Magic's keynotes. And uh, from I think this was from Cooper at the Jacob Javits Center for about 8,000 people that we booked maybe four or five years ago. And, you know, he, he talks about complacency, never said it. That complacency when he won his first Lakers championship never set in. He goes, I want that champagne poured on my head every year. I want to win the last game of the season every year, which is why he won five NBA titles. He goes, and it's the same thing in business. He goes, I tell my team, and it's the truth. You close that big deal. You got five minutes to celebrate. Go grab lunch. Go grab a nice, nice dinner. And let's get back at it tomorrow. I think that's so key. Because, you know, it gets to a point where, yeah, the success and the money, everything else is great, but we're, you know, we all want to evolve. We all want to accomplish more, attain more success and bring others with us along the way. So it's not just what we do for ourselves to benefit us. You know, as you have that growth and that success, there's so many other individuals that you can bring into that corporation and that business, smaller, large, that now have the opportunity for employment and they can do the exact same thing. And you know, elevate themselves and and learn and, you know, find out who they are, dealing with all the ups and downs that all of us get, the adversities, the challenges, the obstacles, uh, that incredible feeling when you land that big account and, and how you deal with the adversity when you lose one that you thought you had. You know, I think it's I think it's great from all aspects. I know when I when I close a big deal, I don't really learn much about myself anymore in life, just like when I'm going uh, through great times and life is great, but I, I, I think, you know, the adversity and business is, you know, just as important. 
you know, celebrate the wins and, you know, understand what might have went wrong on the losses and what you need to do differently next time to make sure it doesn't happen again. What was the pivotal moment for you that made you change your habits and your lifestyle? July 1st of 2008, my late uncle, Stu, who just passed away a couple of weeks ago and his then-girlfriend, Andrea, were visiting New Jersey to see my mom, and they paid a surprise visit to my old condo, and he knew I was in, a, it, it was in good shape and uh, that I was living this highly functioning life as an opiate addict, and she, this woman, Andrea, she never met me before and just asked me if I was okay, and for whatever reason, I had that connection to open up. We talk about mental health, the willingness, the courage to speak up to somebody else. And I told her everything. And she said, do you, know, do you realize you're an addict? Your life's unmanageable. And I said, yeah, I do. And she's like, do you realize you're powerless and you have a disease? I said, I do. And she's like, most importantly, this is the most important question. Do you realize that it doesn't matter if you're from Yale or jail or Park Avenue or Park Bench, that the disease of addiction does not discriminate? And and that broke my soul. I started to cry because, because this, all this stuff, it doesn't mean anything if you don't mean anything. And about 24 hours later, I was on that detox plan and I called them up. I said, I can't do it anymore. I'm going to call the doctor to get what I really want to get and ran into the bathroom and uh, locked myself in there as my then wife was banging on the door, stoically crying, baby, don't do it. Don't do it. She already saw two overdoses and uh, out came couple extra strength Vicodins out of the medicine cabinet, which was so ironic because we, we knew we cleaned out all the opiates. I was looking for an anxiety pill to help with the cravings. And it, it seemed like just what I needed. But you talk about white low moments in life, Stacey. I had one right then because I fell on my knees. I was shaking, trembling and crying. And I called out to God and I said, take the money, the notoriety, the business. I can't do this anymore. I can't live this double life. I need your help. And you know, he heard me because on my right shoulder, I, I had this burning sensation in my right ear. I'm deaf on my left. I heard a voice say, I've got you and you're ready. And I, I flushed the pills and uh, wound up on a computer five minutes later in a taxi cab on a beautiful summer night of July 2nd, 2008, heading to a church uh, with about 150 to 200 recovered addicts and alcoholics who are once of a hopeless state of mind at a 12-step meeting. And that's when life began. I walked in, I heard the leader say, is anybody new coming back or struggling? And you know, this hand went right up. And I realized then that um, I was given the gift of desperation. And you know, one day became a week, became a month, became a year. And slowly but surely, I started putting the pieces of the puzzle back together and filling that hole in my soul, that insecure, broken spirit that needed everybody to think that I arrived because of my own inadequacies in grade school, grammar school, high school, I was being labeled as the learning disabled one, which is why it's so important we all speak up because we take stuff with us from our childhood and uh, it goes somewhere. That's why I'm so passionate to speak to high school kids. And when I was on Jay Shetty mm -hmm. a few months ago, his, his amazing podcast, he's like, your story is just so different because everybody's got the smoke and mirrors, but you arrived and you wanted the people below you to think that you arrived, but you already were living the reality at the height of the industry. I was like, 
this is why you have to speak up, man. You know, it was always like I was trying to prove to the teachers and friends and the people that will ne would never come anywhere close to my success. Like, look at me, look at me now. And that all comes from not speaking up. That's all part of mental health, you know, but I, I don't regret any of it. Life worked out perfect. I uh, celebrated 13 years in July, July 2nd, and uh, it's the greatest achievement of my life. And I do it every day. And the amount of people around the world I get to help, I wouldn't change a single thing. You know, God's plan worked out absolutely perfect for me. And I'm able to help high school kids and adults and business leaders and corporations that, uh, you know, it's okay to not feel okay. Just get out of your own head and be a voice and speak up and be comfortable to know that you're not alone. I want to highlight something you said, because there was a lot of meat there, a lot of good information, but something that stands out to me. That the pivotal moment happened because somebody asked you if you are okay. And that is magical. Because that's something we all could do every day at work, at home, with friends, our colleagues, our boss. Are you okay today? And then people open up, maybe, maybe, and maybe not, maybe when they're ready. But your story makes that so clear that leadership is, is, that's what it's about. Someone saying, are you okay? That's how it starts. It's an amazing question. Even the way you said it, I got chills because it, it doesn't happen often enough. It just doesn't. You know, and my staff and my team of agents and assistants, I mean, they know I'm the first one they can speak to. I'll notice it too when they're off, you know, and I'll say something, whatever I have to do to try to help them through it because I know people were there for me. And you know, I have to pay it forward to keep what I have. You know, my self-worth never came from the super age of life, as people call it. My self-worth came from being a service to other people. My self-esteem finally started getting developed 13 years ago by doing esteemable acts. And I don't think high-level executives even understand that or basic, you know, Every day employees, nine to five, no matter what your position is. First off, be grateful that you, you're, you've got a job right now in today's world. Be grateful you have any sort of career. And just know that you will evolve and you will grow. But no matter who it is, to just say those words, are you okay? If it happened more, you know, this country would be in a lot better place. You know, you will have people say, no, I'm not. It's huge, you know. Like I said, being of service, that's part of it right there. Those words are incredible. Well, that's why I also believe that customer experience, employee experience, is about getting the basics right. Yes, there's sophisticated ways to measure customer experience, and there's technology and so on. But just we're talking about are you okay goes, goes miles and not enough, that doesn't happen enough. So I, I love your story and I'm glad that I'm able to pull that out for listeners because that's in our control every day. Absolutely. I, I love that though. Can you imagine instead of having small talk with customer and customer relationship building, hey, how you doing today? 
which is always the norm. But when you say it in a way like we just discussed, it's going to give some people the ability to say, you know what? Today's a tough one. You know, I'm glad you asked. It's, it's huge. It just really is. You know, like I said, think about the most your calls or your emails. How are you doing today? Hope all is well. One of those things. Doesn't make somebody feel comfortable to come out and tell you the truth and what they're really going through. But the other no. words, yeah. You have a, not only a friend, but a customer for life. We're able to take the focus off business for a little bit and talk about life. Love that. So if I had... This is a question I ask everyone on my show. If I had CEOs and leaders and even even the people you work with in the celebrity world, if you could give them one tip, one thing they take away, what would that be? In my industry, and most of them have it, but I always tell them, you know, gratitude. You know, at the end of the day, most of us, like I said, if you have a career, if you have employment, we all have two words, luxury problems. If you woke up breathing, <laughs> you know, if, if you're not in a hospital, you know, we have life's challenges or luxury problems. That's what they are. Because you lost a major account in the business world. It's not the end of the world. There'll be another one coming because you got a huge account. Don't get so excited because you might lose that account or something else might go sideways. Stay in the day, stay in the moment, take it for what it is. And, and keep keep hustling. And like I said earlier, like Magic said, you know, don't be complacent. I think this behavioral pattern, Stacey, is what creates mental health issues between that and not speaking up. Always challenge yourself. Always push yourself. You know, and just know every day is mm-hmm. not going to be a good day. And embrace the bad ones. You know, own them. Because that's when you grow. I also believe you need to be in the right room. So if you're working for people who don't support who you are, the help you need to be your best self and show up as your best self, you have to look at that as well as speaking up. You've got to choose where you spend your time and your energy. People, places, and things. That's the recovery world. It's the same thing in business. I do so many interviews and you know, people ask me, you know, how do I stay successful and keep evolving? I make sure I'm far from the smartest person in any room. I put my ego aside. You know, some of my friends are some of the most revered names, you know, in the world, even putting the celebrity aside, you know. Scooter Braun's a good friend of mine, Jay Shetty, Lewis House, and biggest podcast guy, Scooter's taken over the world right now. Um, you know, they have such admiration for me and my personal professional journey, but now I'll look I'll look at somebody that's 38, 35, 40 years old and built a billion-dollar empire all day long because I'm never too smart and I want to learn what they're doing and I want to learn about their world and see if there's anything that I can take. Just like a great athlete will take a piece of legends that they looked up to and create their own game. Just like a business leader might have inspiration from other business leaders that they grew up watching, Um, musicians, the same thing. If you're the smartest person in the room, find another room. Again, get the basics right. Well, I'm going to ask you my last question, and this is more of a personal one. If you could go back to 
your younger self, 20-year-old Darren, based on what you know now, what would you tell you then? I mean, we got to go back to speak up, you know, to have the courage to, to speak to others and tell them what's going on inside. Again, I don't regret anything. But I know life would have worked out a lot different had I did have the courage to say, you know, I got lost. I lost the sense of self because I had that brokenness of, I don't want to call it trauma, but again, you know, everybody's got something. And, you know, growing up in that environment of feeling like special ed and learning disabled, when that success came and that money came and the life came and the cars and the houses and the woman and the, the everything in my industry, I lost the sense of self. And uh, I'm lucky to be alive here speaking to you today because I know by all rights, I shouldn't be. And uh, if we can help just a couple people, even one, to, to have the courage to speak up that's in the entrepreneurial and the business world, then it's been a great blessing. And then if we can give some of our business nuggets to other people as well, too, on what to do to you know grow your brand and your business and retain uh, that customer base and grow from it. That's the other goal. So then we did our job today, right? Yes. Well, I do believe, yeah, I do believe when you love what you do and enjoy what you do authentically, the money comes and the, the fame, whatever that means for you, comes. The recognition. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but go figure. You know, I thought all the accolades and the recognition came from me from the age of life and a hundred to one more came about coming out with my, my story of uh, living with imposter syndrome for 24 years. I get more respect and more accolades. You know, Jeannie Buss and I, the Lakers owner, she's a dear friend, Mark Cuban, and all these people. And I'm like, you know, they wouldn't care if I did a $100 million business deal tomorrow. This is what matters to them the most because they lived it. They've got family members, they've got friends, they've got loved ones uh, that suffer from depression and anxiety, substance abuse, alcoholism. And, um, you know, I'm very blessed. I really am. If I lost the business tomorrow, I found the sense of self. And most people don't understand that feeling that I find myself in here and here and in here. And um, it's a beautiful thing to get there. And hopefully, you know, some of your listeners can, can do the same. Because that's everything. That's it right there. Everything else will come when you get to that place. Like you said, the success, the finances, worry about being happy, loving what you do for a career, and uh, the rest will fall into place. Time takes time. You just got to be patient. So, Darren, where can people find you? Because I know when they listen to this, they're going to want to find you. And I'll put the social links in uh, in the notes, but certainly your book is on Amazon. So official Darren Prince is my personal website, D-A-R-R-E-N-P-R-I-N-C-E.com. Instagram at agent underscore DP. Facebook, uh, it's Darren Prince, uh, Marina Del Rey. And uh, Prince Marketing Group is the business site for all your business people. I know you have a huge audience there, P-R-I-N-C-E, marketinggroup.com. And then lastly, which is very near and dear to me, if anybody wants to contribute to my 501c3, 
aiminghighfoundation.org. A hundred percent of the proceeds has been scholarshiping individuals struggling with mental health and substance abuse uh, for about two years now since we started. And we've scholarshiped at least a dozen just in the past year through the pandemic, which is the greatest thing in the world to give people the opportunity to get mentally, physically, emotionally right and get back into the workforce and and feel their best and live their best life. You're doing amazing work, Darren. I'm honored to be with you today and know you for what I feel is a lifetime and watch your journey. And I'm glad to be on it. Thank you for having me today. Same here. Likewise, congrats on all the success. Take care. Thank you so much for joining today. I hope you will apply the lesson shared and also requesting if you would leave a review on Apple, it would mean a lot. Head over to doingcxright.com to learn more ways to connect with me and improve your CX. Until next time, I'm Stacey Sherman, Doing CX Right.